Uh, speaking of survivorship bias, this reminds me of I saw this great image floating around the internet, which was somebody had had taken like uh, a world map and put these three pinpoints on the map of of locations where pyramids were built. And they had pictures of the pyramids and they all looked the same. And they were like, "What does this mean?" And then somebody was like, "It means that when you pile up rocks that way, they tend to stick around for a long time." <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 236 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm just sitting here. I'm Sam and I'm recovering from a cold. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is dodecahedron crimes. (laughs) (laughs) 20 grand teen. I'm not going to even explain what the real date is. I'm not going to look at what the date is so I understand what's Uh, happening. Before we get started, we have a warning. We're going to have swears just peppered throughout this episode just to keep you on your toes. Mm -hmm. So uh, just know that that's that's coming. It's going to spice up your pod snack. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscash.net, of which we have numerous because it's been a while since we Hmm. have recorded. Uh, So here we go. For starters, Cy gave us some money and said, Here's some money. <laughs> I like your style. To the point. <laughs> uh, Specchio, who donated twice because we have a character limit and he needed to say a lot more. of things. We should make that character limit much smaller. <laughs> <laughs> it's an EA situation. Yeah. Yes. They're willing to pay Wait, for gonna, it. Are you going to read this whole thing? They call that like, a pain point. <laughs> it sounds like that's going to be too much to read. This. Oh, no, it's good. Okay. Specchio says, as many of the devs head off to vacation. I'd like to say thanks for all of your hard work on Levelhead. However, I'm especially worried about Seth, who at the start of his vacation, seemingly unable to pull himself away from game dev, started posting patch notes. <laughs> I am worried that he's traveled all the way around the world only to have locked himself in a hotel room, furiously programming away. Seth, I hope you're enjoying your vacation and not thinking about work. Sometimes it's good to take a break, even from something you love. Mm. That's true. Uh, I did do that at the beginning there. I had a couple of things I had to just you know, take Shame. care of. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the last half of the trip, I I didn't really do any. Yeah. Anything, but I think so. this is this is one of those sort of uh, those lines of thinking that you also have to be careful with, though, because it's also okay if you love doing a thing to do it when you're on vacation. That's right. Because mm-hmm. what's vacation for? So do whatever the fuck you to want. Do whatever you want. What if you want to work? Should cool. work. <laughs> work. Should be fine. Working is my vacation. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we also had three anonymous donations. Ooh, so wow. thanks, thanks, nobody. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 uh, and we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters who just uh, donate, you know, monthly. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Which is a convenient way to do it because you don't have to think about anything. That's right. You just get to be thanked every week. You get to get thanked. We get thunk. <laughs> Everyone's, uh, by the way, Adam said both are a little bit jet lagged and still a little Yeah, I got back from India a few days ago. And uh, I'm feeling it. It's been a trip. I've been back for a week and I've mostly, I now fall asleep instantaneously starting anywhere between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. <laughs> just, like a, just like a narcoleptic Yeah, I just, situation. I have to like run up, I have to sprint up the stairs and like- <laughs> The th- time! I have to rip my clothes off as <laughs> like I'm running. A, it's like a vampire trying to escape the sunlight. Yep. You know? Or, you know, turning into, or out of a pumpkin, into a pumpkin, into a pumpkin. The jet lag thing the- is- <laughs> The carriage. Turning out of a pumpkin. The, car- <laughs> the carriage is what was a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. And then it turned back into a pumpkin. Yeah. So but, yeah. But the people don't turn into pumpkins. Though. They turn into they, rats, which is which some is of them. No, no, no. Better, some, of the rats, no some of the rats turn into people. And then they turn back Which, into because rats. of our sort of, you know, humanistic bias, was apparently better for the rats than being rats. Actually, do you, think, they, do you think they were relieved to become rats again? 
probably they're like, oh, the crushing burden of consciousness. But, now, but imagine like, okay, now if you were like, <laughs> if you were to go back in time to like uh, to say when you were a toddler, right? Okay. Your mm-hmm. brain is only capable of almost nothing, right? right? A little bit. Okay, so now you take all the stuff that you know and all the things that you can do and how you can think about stuff, and then try to jam pack that into a completely different body. Well, a brain that basically doesn't have any of the it doesn't have enough folds. It. Doesn't have any folds, right? So you can't. You got, you Which is to, where you put them. That's where you tuck the stuff in. No. Right? <laughs> so you can't tuck all your knowledge in there, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're aware of everything that you've lost. Mm, kind of, I mean? though. Maybe. Kind How of. aware can you be? Because I like, don't know. You, yeah, you can't know what you what you've lost because you can't know it anymore. Right, but can you be aware that you have lost something? You know? Know. This is like and a, the same with if you forget something, you're like, oh, I forgot that thing. You know about that. You know you forgot, forgot something. Yeah. So I guess you would probably just always feel like you were just kind of missing something. Yeah, but but instead of something, it's basically everything. Yeah. Which you is all like, I say. <laughs> but again, that's pretty fucked up that in this story, they mm-hmm. turned rats into people, which is like, you've it's, it expanded your mental powers, right? In theory. I was and assuming. Then, in theory. That, yeah, yeah. And then they just cut you right back down. That's true. Because then what? I it's feel not. like though the I mean yeah it's a little bit unrealistic to turn a rat into a person but it's also unrealistic that they weren't just screaming the whole time I would have been I feel like they that, come out and they're dancing they're like yes and they can speak they've got sick ass dance moves yeah, no. which I've been a person for thirty years and I don't have any of those <laughs> maybe what they actually is is they created people that were basically an empty or I guess rat intelligence level people uh-huh. right. And then Rat intelligence level people. Yeah. Okay. And then they, and then they, and then they took, no, nah, nah, but that's basically an empty vessel, right? And so what like actually a mech happened suit? is, yeah, like a mech suit. So then they actually infused the soul of maybe like a dead person. So it's, a, it's a humunculus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then they infused the homunculus of another human being mm, into there. And then, once, and then once they get converted back into rats, the homunculus leaves, goes back into the, goes ether, back into the shadow realm. Goes back into the shadow realm. <laughs> It's, this is all part of Cinderella canon. That's yeah, all the glitter actually it. is the godmothers. That's what the glitter is. It's the effect it's, of it's the shadow realm sort of merging with this. It's realm. the demon yeah. magic. For it's the, the shadow realm. It could be all the possible <laughs> homunculi that could end up in the rats. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. They're trying to get in there, but they yeah. can't get in fast they can't enough. get in there. Eventually, they, eventually some of them got yeah. in. Uh, what? <laughs> Where was <laughs> happening? Vacation. Yeah. So we got back. We came back from seems vacation. Like, <laughs> seems like you both are very refreshed. Judging by the yeah. creativity coming so off the, the top of your the dome. The jet lag is something that I was always skeptical of. As you know, people oftentimes talk about stuff, and you're like, "No, that's that's bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. That's a made up thing. This is a real thing." Yeah. Uh, well, you thought you, jet lag was a made up thing? Well, I thought, I well, no, no, I didn't think it was. <laughs> I didn't think it was that. made up, but I thought people were kind of like blowing it out of proportion, mm, like sort of uh, milking it a bit. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just tired. Yeah. Five days but it's later, like, man, you flip your you flip your schedule by twelve hours, and then just do that for two weeks, and flip it right back again. Uh, and, and not only that, but the the uh, the bookend experience is being on a on a fucking airplane and <laughs> yes. going through airports for like thirty hours. So like my my Friday, uh, we left around midnight. Flew for 15 hours and landed at five o'clock in the morning the same day. <laughs> yep. So my Friday was like almost 40 hours long. Yeah. That's too long of that a is Friday. Too long. We Friday is a great day. And got normally. back at 10 p.m. the same day. So we only had a 24 hour day. Mm-hmm. I mean, a zero hour, 24 hour. A day. zero hour. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's just no. There's no scenario that you're that prepares you for just how fucked up that makes you. No, I mean, yeah. when you think about the fact that every year when we have daylight savings in the states, then a bunch of people just sort of additionally die because, yeah. of, because of the one hour change. I mean, I think 
you know, think about that. Like, we should actually call it like Environment Savings Day because it's meant for killing people. Yeah, we, we should just like, call it the purge. The purge. <laughs> <laughs> the purge. Right for the Set spring purge. Back an hour. Spring purge. Yeah. Spring cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some of these. Get some of these people off the Get road. Human bodies. Excess humans. Uh, yeah, so I'm still I'm still a couple days out. Adam, you're like a week out, so you're mostly back yeah, on track. Yeah, for me, it's just the whole, like, I just, I am still very tired all the time, and, I'm, and I am still getting up around, like, five or six. That was the best now. part. Last week when I come into work, I get in around nine, like usual. I'm like, oh. Hey, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, I've been here for I've a been here for hours. four hours. <laughs> I've been here for a while. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I've been awake for an entire day. Yep. Yeah. And the, the other problem with if you get up at like three or four o'clock in the morning, is you will eat breakfast, and then four hours later, it's still breakfast. <laughs> And it's still four hours from lunch. Mm-hmm. So. It's, it's still an early breakfast at that point. Yeah. So you'll eat at four and then you'll eat again at eight. And then you'll eat lunch at noon. This is where you got to march by the beat of your own drum, you know, because you're letting society tell you when to eat lunch, my man. But the problem is if you let society decide when you wake up, but not when you eat lunch. But now you're well, all yeah. kinds of – Now you're, <laughs> you're too fucked up. That's true. Society's got to take some of your decisions. Or just, none of them. It's just kind of convenient. All yeah. or none. You got mm-hmm. to yeah. pick a side. So vacation was great. It was fun. I think we have some questions about it later. So we'll kind of talk about it a little bit more maybe at that point. Um, I think one thing that I, I would like to say is that it's fun to go. So so I spent the last two weeks in India and uh, it's a very different place from here. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things about going to a place that's that far away is you get to learn just how dumb and arbitrary most of the things that you normally do are because uh, because in india m- most things are the opposite of, <laughs> yeah. of how they are here and you see the lights actually switch, light switches flip down, down instead of up yeah. you you never wear uh, socks or shoes in the house you always barefoot in the house um and here it's like we're always wearing socks you know you're driving on the left side of the road in china you always wear slippers Right. Houses. Mm-hmm. And all of this is made up. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do whatever. It's just what everybody's kind of agreed upon. Um, and it was even the case that we went to a, a wedding and and I, I had brought like my nice uh, formal Western clothes, you know, like a suit and everything. And everybody was like, oh, that, that's not going to that's not going to do it. I'm like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> these I, are nice clothes. Yeah, these are nice clothes. And for what formal I, events. So what we had to do is we had to go go shopping for mm-hmm. some formal, traditional Indian wear. And so I got uh, a kurta, which is like a long kind of like flowing shirt and some kind of like loose fitting white pants and nice flip flops. And that was my formal wear, which, of course, you can't wear that here because it's way too informal. (laughs) (laughs) So even even the question like what's formal and what's not formal is it's all made up. We all just agreed on Mm -hmm. something Um, like you tie a weird string around your neck now that's a tie now you're now that's formal i don't know <laughs> right no, no, it makes but if sense. it's not wide enough then it might not be formal enough in some circumstances right and so none of this truly matters but it's weird because it does matter in the context of right. what people think about you based on the rules there it's nice you to get know, a good yeah. just a little reset just a little reminder that this is all made up and we're all just doing we're all just weird we're all just, we're all just weird monkeys yeah, weird monkeys yeah. and i feel like i'm in a much better frame now cuz this i've been go- i've been going back and forth to india for almost a decade now and i know the first time i went there most of my questions were like, why are they doing these things this mm. way? Yeah. Instead of why am I doing yeah, these, yeah, these yeah. things the other That's way? That's where I am now. I'm like, okay, you know what? None of this matters. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always fun and interesting. Yeah. Uh, and all right. When you talk about 
Gaul's Law. Gaul's Law. Gaul's Law. So this comes from, Gaul. I think, Systems Theory. Well, yeah, Gaul <laughs> is the person. It's <laughs> just it's a one-name person. It comes from uh, Systems Theory, I think. Um, and I found this reading the Personal MBA book, which you've had sort of sitting behind me here in the podcast room for years. And Adam and Seth both read it. And I told actually, me to read I it. listened I never- to it, mm. which is a bad way to mm. do things. That one's way too dense to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. So as I was reading it, it's sort of like usually if I'm reading a physical book, uh, if it's something that I or the studio owns, then I just happily dog ear it as I go and then, and then come back to things to sort of note take afterward. And this is the sort of book that is so dense and so good. That every page is every page dog ear. Yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> well, that's kind of the whole point of the book too. It right? is, it's yeah. supposed to be the compact summary of all the things you actually need to know yes. for business. And so uh, Gaul's Laws, which one of these ideas, which is that every complex system is that works – is actually built on simple systems that worked, that are basically evolved from a simple system. And some that don't work. And some that don't work even. Yeah, because the, well, the pieces of it don't matter as long as the whole thing works, yeah. right? And so I was thinking about this as it relates to game design, as it relates to building a business, all this stuff. Um, and a lot of the stuff we've talked about on the podcast, whether it's, you know, when, you, when it comes to building up a new game design idea, starting with a core mechanic and working outward is literally this idea in practice, right? Which is saying, if you can get it to work where it's fun to run around and do nothing, but fun to run around, then you could start strapping other things on top of that. And as long as the whole thing works the whole time, then the system can get wonderfully complex without actually it breaking. And in our previous experience, like building Scuffle Buddies, I think this is actually where we fell off the map because we tried to build a really complex system first. First. Yeah. There were all these components going all at the same time and the game didn't really work. Yes. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and with Levelhead, it's always been... Try to, it should just be fun at any, it should yes. be fun, playable, and feasible at any point in development. And we should be able to just like hand it to somebody and they would get it mm-hmm. uh, without us saying like, well, there's like these 30 missing systems that once they're in, it'll totally be awesome. Yeah. 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 And so I think it's, it's a really smart thing to just keep in mind, but also as it relates to frankly, building a good life, right? Cause it's like, okay, so, so you're not really happy with where you are right now, or you want to be doing more stuff. Um, if it's the case that you can, for example, add a small amount of change to your current daily regimen or whatever else to – and then get that to work for you where it's like, oh, I'll go to the gym now every day or I do meditation or whatever, do some reading. Um, you just do a little bit of this over time. You don't, you don't do the whole thing all at once. You don't like – Just do a new thing. Just do a new thing until that is part of your system and it's like – and it's working for you. And then you add another thing on and you just slowly do this until you build this vibrant complex system that the whole thing works because you did it piece by piece and it worked the whole time as opposed to trying to be like, I'm going to change everything at once because it never works. This is why you always get the question of people go, what's your secret? If they see that you've mm-hmm. done something that they haven't done. And, and it's because it's it seems mystical because what they're oftentimes seeing is the whole thing at the end yes. of like how everything works. They're seeing the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And not all the tiny little things. Yep. Speaking of making large changes, well, not large changes, small changes. Mm. I'm going down the quest for gains. Part three. Part three. Reloaded. Here's the deal. I'm going to reach 200 pounds by the time I give my talks at GDC. <laughs> <laughs> so that's got two talks. How many year. more pounds is that than where you are? 25. So I'm 175 pounds. I think this was a large change. Is a you said speaking change. of large changes, then you said, I mean, small changes, but I'm pretty sure this is nope, a large because there's only two things I have to do. I have to eat more and go to the gym. And gain 25 pounds as a consequence. Well, yeah. That's a consequence. Yeah. I'm not doing that. But you have, to do those, just, you have to do those things enough such that mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah, but it's like a lot. It's not though. It's 
Ask anybody. It's very easy to gain 25 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do it on accident. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, well, so the goal is by the time by the time you show up at GDC to have it be so intimidating to just look in your direction. That people that listen. People listen. <laughs> yeah. yep. That's it. Fear is a powerful motivator. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, so I'll I'll have more updates on that, but uh, it's time. Mm-hmm. I, I basically, I go in like two year bursts. 2015 was the first quest for gains. 2017 was mm. phase two. First time I hit 190 pounds, and then I kind of went back down to 175. Next time, 196, and then back down again. So now it's time to finally Crest do it. it. It's going to happen. Uh, then I'll probably come back down again afterwards. Yep. This it's is hard just, to maintain. This, this frankly. Is, it is. You have to eat a lot. <laughs> and it's frankly uncomfortable. Yeah, it so. is. It's just, it's, everything about it seems so unpleasant. It is, but Adam, it's about the climb. You it's know, fun. It's the Miley Cyrus song. The most fun. It seems like it's about the destination in this case. Uh, yeah. Kind of both. Well, the thing is, because as soon as you get there, then you get bored of it, and then you just like go Fall back, back to 170. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. it's not – the point is the weird the weird fact of trying to do the thing. Hmm. Like yeah. something as outrageous as basically putting on an additional 15 percent weight. There's mm-hmm. going to be a 15 percent more Seth around. And that's going to be order. good for the studio. It's going to be good. <laughs> I think it's going to help us out a lot. Are you going to be – how much of this muscle is going into your fingers? Because uh, I don't know how fast can you type. Well, almost that's none. <laughs> almost none because most of your fingers are controlled by your forearms. Most of your so fingers. So how much is going <laughs> All yeah. of it. Yeah, not, yeah, not <laughs> your pinky, but all the other ones. I'm going to Popeye this this shit. I'm going to have just, just, a, just, a, just a beefy beach ball So you're going to make 25 pounds of forearm muscle. <laughs> yeah. For type. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. 12 and a half per forearm. So – yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't not wanna... a twenty-five, just on one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But have you considered putting uh, weights on your fingers while you type during the day? Ooh, no. But now I am. Consider that you could also it'll get... slow you down in the short term. And think about you know how like when you when you're when you're swimming and you're swimming and you're swimming and then you and then you shave down for a race, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, holy fuck, I am so I'm fast, so right fast. Now. It feels all, so good. Yeah. I'll imagine just... with imagine tiny weights on all your fingers, typing away, typing away, typing away. Uh-huh. Take those weights off, dude. Holy shit. Alternatively, <laughs> I could. I could shave my hands at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Not alternatively, in addition. In addition. To, yeah. I'll shave my hands at the end. That'll give me a good five, ten words per minute. Just right yeah, I, mean, I think your your goal should be to be typing so fast that the wind resistance created by the hair on your knuckles yeah. is actually slowing That's you the down. problem now. Yep. That's the yeah. only thing. That's the only bottleneck left. Yeah. I got a weird question for you. You also got to lube up in between your fingers. <laughs> so that when you're, now you got to chalk, chalk up. They can slip past you. You got to put chalk mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. Because lube will actually slow you down, I think, in that context. Oh. You're yeah, going too fast. You're going you so fast. Yeah. The lube's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you guys. My wife were talking about how weird hands are yesterday. Sure. So every so often you look at them, you're just like, ah! Right? Because look, look at them. doesn't. I mean that is Wait, what's the question? <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting there. So so we were looking at our hands and then we realized that both of us have our index finger on our main hand is fatter at the base than the left oh, than yeah, the other. Definitely. Nope. Yours aren't? It's the same. Dang. Mine it's the same. Yeah. I'm just curious. I hope I assume all of our listeners are like putting <laughs> their index right. fingers together. And so but I wonder because like mine's definitely there. And so That's because it's your dominant hand. You're it just is. squeezing. But how much stuff. how much more can I possibly be squeezing with this tiny well, little here's, here's thing? You just added up over the day. Finger finger it's a little different for me because my right hand is my dexterity hand and my left hand is my strong hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, anytime it's I'm doing, anytime I'm doing uh, like lifts, my left arm is always stronger than my right. What? Why? I don't know, but my right arm is more dexterous. Which? So how I've do you got, open jars? 
This is probably this explains the whole difference. I have. Been. Oh, probably. Yeah, we'll probably. Left hand, hand, left hand cranks it right. Yeah, and then your right one's holding the jar. Yeah, yeah. That's how it is for me. I, I hold the lid with my left hand. Yeah, right? turn it. With, yeah, there it is. But actually, I use those uh, those little grippy little grippy mat things. You know those. those oh. little guys? Uh, there was so there, there was a period of time where for some reason there were a handful of jars that would just like. Every time I went to open them, it was a fucking nightmare. I'd be, I'd be like banging it on stuff, putting it in hot water. It's like flipping it upside down, knocking it on the table, you know, and like still have trouble getting them out. And also, I was like, like, a, like why a am I doing this? Thing. Exactly. Exactly. So imagining that, a montage of this is kind of incredible. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. So, so there was like a sequence of a few weeks and I don't remember the, what, why this happened, but mm-hmm. it just happened enough that finally I was just like, why? And then I remembered our, our grandma forever ago had like a little, yeah. just like a little, little grippy, there's a little grippy thing that you could use to like help you open a yeah. jar. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to order. So I went on Amazon and ordered a, like a six pack of them, like a different sizes and stuff. It's like, like a shit. Sil- it's like a silicone Life square. changing. It's just a silicone square. It's all it is. Life changing. Cause like, cause it, we always like people are joking about, oh, you're so weak and you know, whatever, but it's like, you just, it's a friction. Fucking, it's a friction problem. Yeah. problem. And the, I, have, just I have now, around. I have not yet met a jar. I can't open. Now Ooh, bold, so if you're looking for a, a life improvement, get some, and if you got any jars, you need to open, just mail them, ship them over here. We're not going to ship them back. No, <laughs> Because then I'd have to they'll be open. Yeah. And they'll be open and then I'll throw them away, I guess. Uh, yeah. Because of what's in there. It's Again, it's about the climb, Adam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. Get yourself some of those fucking things. So on the, yeah. on the flip side, uh, one good move is to always close your jars as hard as possible. <laughs> okay. That's so, one good move. So this this gives you a couple <laughs> benefits. One is, one is you get the gains – from twisting it closed and also from wrestling it back open again. Mm, so you also, if you're, if you're trying to like manage what you're eating, then now you've also made it hard to get right. into that. So Ooh. if you do that with stuff, you're going to burn three to five much. calories just yeah. opening that fucking jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if it's peanut butter, that doesn't matter. Cause now you, you actually know. probably even more than that, because your brain consumes a huge amount of calories just from the glucose it uses. And if, mm-hmm. and rage is all happening in your brain, right? So the more enraged you get trying to open Perfect. this thing, yeah, you're probably burning easily 10,000 calories. Yeah, easily. And uh, the second benefit of this, is that now it's now you're the only person in the house who can open that jar. Yeah, you got to well, guests come over. It depends on if there's somebody in the house stronger than you. In Ooh. your case, that's true. Mm-hmm. In my case, literally any like, child could come in. <laughs> that's because <laughs> you haven't been using jar. this strategy. Once you start doing it, you'll okay. get the gains. Now you'll have the only closing and opening power in the house, and now people need you around. So now you've mm-hmm. got them all locked Unless in. Unless you buy some of those grippy things and keep them – you have to lock those up. Because if the moment them. you bring those in your house, yeah. anybody no, can No, what you do jar. is you take those and you keep them in a different jar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Only you can open the jar with the grippy things, yeah. and then you use those to open and close the other jars even harder. So for some reason, as a Because last- you probably could close things way harder with the grippy things, yeah, which I have not tried. Sure. I haven't tried it in that direction. Yeah. yeah. For you some probably reason, close it and break it. For the last like two months, I found myself when I screw lids back on, I don't screw them on all the way anymore. I don't know what the hell happens. It's probably because you don't want to open them. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's like a fear. Yeah, built in fear. Get some of these grippy things, man. But it's driving my, it's driving <laughs> my wife insane because we have like a bottle of tonic water, and every so often I'll drink something out of it, and then put the lid back Hopefully on. Of course, it goes water. flat immediately. <laughs> something out of it. <laughs> I don't know what's in there. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, the longer you keep it around, the more mysterious it's inside. Especially if the bottle's open the whole time. Yep. So, no, that'll <laughs> that's do true. it. That's also, true. You got some also, kind of cultures be, in there. Isn't it flat as, like, if you're just, like, over time opening and closing. Just, like, sip tonic thing, water. That's got to just be regular water now, right? No. no, no that's, just a, that's like the soda you one. That's not the but it's, but it, but it still has. It isn't, I thought it still has fizz in it. Though, it does have fizz in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it used to. Has fizz yeah, in it. <laughs> it did in the past. The Anyways, fizz, the fizz left. <laughs> Moving on from jars. All right, let's talk about the studio. <laughs> Level head is back on the menu. Yeah. 
in the sense that we're back from vacation, so we're working on it. And again. we are now a restaurant. Yeah. Yep. By well, the way, we opened a restaurant. World deserving level head in a while. Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> so where we're at is we're doing we're still working on the uh the big story update for the campaign. It's supposed to bunch of stuff there. So the storyboards I've been working on still trucking along. Uh we've done a ton Cyber of Cyber trucking along. Oh god, that thing. I'm not even talking about that hideous triangle that escaped from Blender. Uh I'm not talking about it. So <laughs> we're doing that. We are updating a bunch of our dev processes and stuff to allow for release management practices. Yeah, yeah. so we can release the game yeah. at some point. That's yep. uh, and then, I don't know, there's a bunch of other stuff we're doing. But yeah, that's we're working on getting through CERT. That's still happening. There's like a billion things going on right now. Yeah, yeah. that's one of those things. That all of it is very – it's actually very interesting, but not for a podcast. It's too specific. It's too it's in the weeds. Yeah, maybe someday uh, if, if we get enough donations over at moneygrab.beastcash. There you go, yeah. With people specifically yeah. saying, this is a bribe uh, so that you will do a full episode <laughs> purely about Should we put a number nuances? on that? How much, how much would it take for us to- Is this a Kickstarter? Oh. Is this our first Kickstarter? Because <laughs> <laughs> the question is, is because is, we can only do that at the cost of everybody else who doesn't give a shit, right? Maybe so the question to- is- how much money do we need to throw most of our listeners under the bus? Yeah. Mm. That's the question. $50 ahead. $50 ahead. For all the – for every listener? That's how much I care. Yep. A dollar ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's a complicated problem and it doesn't translate it's, – it's easy to convey over a whiteboard or something. But if you're trying to just talk through it, it's yeah, just no, too yeah. much. So. Let's not. Next. So we won't. Uh, otherwise, we got some other big news. Levelhead patch is coming. Middle of next week. And then we have another two-week break. <laughs> yeah. Vacation it's, city. You know, it's uh, New Year, Christmas time. So I guess we'll be getting What's ready for patch? another Is there anything to talk about that's going in this patch? We got uh, just a ton of uh, UI updates, campaign updates. Did we add the speedrun stuff? The speedrunning stuff is in the yeah. campaign, so you can now get uh, on-time delivery yeah. bonuses. We now have unlockable uh, avatars through achievements. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. About that. You can also unlock them through the campaign. That's going to be happening. Um yeah, the game is going to just like look and feel more polished mm-hmm. kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's a shitload of bug fixes. That's Lots of bug sure. fixes. Um, and, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen this week, but this week is happening too. Yep. So that, you know, yeah. there'll be there'll whatever be happens this week, that'll be in the patch too. Um, and all right, let's go on to some industry news. What happened? Google Stadia came out. So last time we talked about this. I think we recorded before it came out. And we, we did. And we, we were like, what is this? And what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And we were right in the sense that our response was the same as everybody's response, mm-hmm. which was, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this for? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's that then. We'll just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It it, uh, it launched. It actually launched with most of its features missing. Correct. Um, yeah. It's sort of soft launch, basically. I think when we talked about it, it had 12 titles and then they quickly added 10 more the day before launch. So they launched with 22 titles. Um, I think one exclusive. Mm-hmm. And the general question people kept having was the one that we talked about on our episode, which was, this seems to be targeting casual gamers in the sense that like the benefits of it is it's cheaper and you don't need a lot of hardware, but all the games on it are not casual games. Mm-hmm. And you still need to buy the hardware currently. Yeah, and you still so, need 140 and you still need just, hardware. And all the games are at full price. And what you're paying for with the $10 subscription is not games, which you are still paying full price for. Instead, you're, what you're paying for is high res, 4K res, which 4K monitors and TVs are super expensive. Right. So yeah. now we're targeting people who absolutely will not spend a couple hundred dollars on a console. But and you probably get a really good internet 
service to run a 4K video Correct. game streaming. Pretty yeah. good, yeah. Which is also expensive. Yeah, because yeah. the other thing, the other part of their pitch that kind of came out afterwards uh, or like during their launch was like, you can play your games anywhere. Except you kind of, most people, as far, as far as the reviews I read, they're like, yeah, I could really only rely on this in my own house. So now it basically is tethered to your house just like your console is and now, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyways, that was a confusing time for all of us. Yeah, we'll see where it goes next. Who knows? Yeah, if they they keep on putting money behind it and they keep on getting stuff in there and they get some exclusives. And, you know, the entire infrastructure of the Internet of the United States gets way better in the next three or six, five days. And it just changes over time. So like if they just keep at it for Mm -hmm. the next five years, Mm -hmm. at the end of that five years, they might have some of the market share. Something will have happened. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or – It'll be a Google Glass situation. Yep. There's been a few of those. <laughs> so we'll, people, well, well that, that was actually back. another big concern that I kept reading about is people talking about the Google graveyard, which mm. Google is notorious for just killing a product if it's not quite hitting whatever their targets were. And so there's a lot of players who are unnerved about the idea of spending money buying a full price AAA game in Stadia and then Stadia just disappears because – just like something like Steam or whatever, you know, the game is not yours. You've bought a license to play it and it's hosted on their servers and everything. Right. This one's even worse though because it's – no files are on your computer. It's all on somebody else's yep. computer. Um, so yeah, we'll just kind of – we'll check back in on this maybe in a month and just kind of see, see, see what happens. Uh, all right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from the famous – Wiggly Honk Quick Pie, Ooh. who says, are there any other game development podcasts out there like yours that you all listen to? I've listened to Designer Notes, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Uh, it's basically just long, long interviews with uh, various game devs. Sounds pretty fun. Um, there's not many that are funny that I can think of that I listen to. Yeah, I think game you know, so like ours is pretty specific. Yeah, pretty so strange. the Object podcast uh, was the game maker focused podcast. That one was, was a bit more technical, but they just shut it down. Oh, really? So they're done now. Oh. Oh. So that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but it's got some good back episodes. Mm-hmm. But again, that's there, there's not really too many that I know of, if any, that have the same kind of angle as ours. You yeah, know, it's a little weird. We have kind of a weird mix mm-hmm. going on. Um, yeah, but yeah, designer notes is definitely a, no, a really good, good one. Yeah. Well, even ones are there? Are there other ones from? Do you know of any that are being made by the people within a studio who are making games specific? Because yeah, because yeah, I don't. Designer know. notes is a, is a guy interviewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people. I don't know games. of any, but I, but I mean, I, I kind of feel bad saying that because there's a like there's, there's a really be. good chance that there's a yeah. lot of them. Yeah, but I just the thing is, I actually don't really seek out game development podcasts. Yep. Um, I mostly look for other stuff because mm-hmm. uh, I'm when I'm listening to podcasts I'm trying to find more of like a diversity of uh, of interesting tidbits stuff. to bring yeah. in yeah. yeah things to kind of bring in because um, I you know we're talking about game dev all day every day so I do I listen know. to syntax.fm for web dev stuff which is actually f- fairly similar to what mm-hmm. we, it's, it is less about jokes I mean there are jokes in there but it's less kind of that's not the core of it I guess mm-hmm. Um, but it's still like, it's just like a couple, it's a couple of guys. They, they both basically do teaching. So they teach JavaScript and web dev and mm. that sort of thing. Uh, but as independently as their own thing. So they each run websites and they make courses and they do all of that. 
Um, and, and so they talk about the industry and they talk about like what it's like to like work inside of it and they answer people's questions. And so, so it actually is a remarkably similar, similar format. format. Yeah. Oh. So if you're into web dev, that's pretty good. That's my, that's been my favorite one so far. Of, what's it called? Syntax.fm. Syntax.fm. Yeah. It's my favorite one I've been listening to so far for JavaScript or web dev or mm-hmm. related topics. Nice. Okay. Well, there's some. Hope that helps. There's, there's one which is not for game dev. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question comes from Chalosis. How is this podcast recorded and edited? What software is used? How are the mic tracks synced up? How much is removed? How do the editors pick the highlight uh, for the beginning of the episode? And who names the episode? All right. Run it down, Seth. Let's run it down. All right. We record this using a program called Reaper. It is edited by Fat Bard. We don't know how he does it. Correct. Through so well, he does it very fast. Means. We used to use Audacity, which worked pretty well, but we had to do it, and we didn't. And it took we hours. Yeah. One of the things we don't like is doing stuff, mm-hmm. so that we had to cut that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Let's see. How are the mic tracks synced up at the beginning of the of the episode before we start recording? Right. I guess like right out right as we start the recording of the tracks, I clap as loud as I can so that it's picked up on every mic, and then now we have these uh, like big spikes of sound that can be visually synced up on the tracks. Although they're also just kind of automatically synced because we use whatever this analog mixer thing is. We've got a weird box. Yeah, that we that we plug the analog microphones directly because like, USB mics require syncing. If you're like recording on two different devices, it requires syncing, all that kind of stuff. But ours is automatically synced going into the recording software. Yeah, we're so, recording on the same room. Yeah, so the the clapping, I think, I think is actually more about knowing where the podcast is going to start, yes. isn't it? No. Nah. Nah, because sometimes we clap and then 14 minutes later we start talking. But yeah, so but what but what has to be lined up? If Probably it's already, nothing. Maybe a clap. Do we maybe we do that anymore. Oh my god! I, I think we do it just in case. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a cultural. Thing. Also, much like the twisting of the jars, if for every now and then you just slam your hands together as hard as possible, you get some good gains out of that. That's yeah. true. So yeah, it's a good calluses. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, how do the editors pick the highlight clip for the beginning of the episode? This one's actually pretty hilarious, mm-hmm. which is Fat Bard just looks through the podcast. So he doesn't even really listen to it. Nope. He just looks through the waveform and tries to find a huge burst of noise, which is usually us laughing about something. <laughs> yep. So then he just grabs that and then he just slaps that on the beginning. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's that. Yeah. We used to all pay attention while we were like having notepads and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like as we were talking, if we – we're like, oh, that could be something good. Then we try to make a note of it. And otherwise, whoever was editing it, as they were listening to it to like edit out silences and whatever, would just be on the lookout for stuff that could go up there, which was way yeah. more time consuming. Uh, see, how much stuff is removed? Usually yeah, nothing. Occasionally, if there's a pause or something, we may do a truncation of a silence. I think we might bit. automate truncation of silences. Okay. Uh, and then as far as, as, far as removing- Periodically- we say something like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Yeah. Either we've revealed something we shouldn't have revealed, mm-hmm. or we've maybe said something that might be misconstrued mm-hmm. or yep. whatever. And just, just for safety, we're like, let's just not. Mm-hmm. And so we'll just not cut those things that. out. Yep. That That's pretty rare. Uh, maybe. That's very rare. That's like, like one out of like every 100 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> that's sort of an emergency situation. <laughs> yep. Usually, so we're, we're thinking back to the episode and we're like, wait a second. That, that <laughs> could go badly. That could go badly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and last, who names the episode? Jenny. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jen Coster, our editor, or not editor, producer, who also yes. organizes the questions and everything beforehand. Yep. Yeah. So she, she listens to it and then takes, and takes notes on it. So we actually have, we have extensive notes for every episode starting. When did she start doing that? A while ago. 
year and a half ago. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Uh, we haven't put them anywhere, but we have them. Um, and so while she's listening to it, making notes, also looking out for stuff that might need to be cut because we said something stupid or who knows what, you know, uh, she's got a good ear for that. Yeah. So she's, she's yeah. like looking out for stuff and then like marking the people's questions that got answered and she does all that kind of stuff. And while she's doing it, she's basically looking for rant. There's like a snippet of a few words that taken together are <laughs> very weird that then make sense as a title. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that. But most of it is we just come in and record and then leave and yep. then other people take care of stuff. It used to be a lot more work. Yeah. It, it was, I think it's probably the same amount of work. It's just, we're not doing it now. Yeah. We're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've offloaded it. Yep. All right. Next question comes from fly hoppy axe rompa. When you guys come back from your two week vacations, do you wish you were still on vacation or are you happy to be back at work? I am so relieved to be back at work. <laughs> So relieved. It's the traveling that's murderous. Well, it's not even that. It's just it's the traveling. So the traveling, I hate. I just hate it. As like, in the physical act of being the physical moved act of being to another moved. location. Yeah, it's just everything about it sucks. Um, and uh, and so I hate that. Uh, but also like being in another place, I just I just want to be at home. That's where mm-hmm. that's where my stuff is. That's where my cat is. That's where the bathrooms that definitely work and are not gross are. You know, mm-hmm. like that's where that's where my life is is understandable and and. Nothing bad is going. You got to your routines. You got know? my routines. Yeah. Everything is good. You know. The moment you go somewhere else, and you're like, "Oh God, uh, I just ate something that could be questionable." Is there going to be a bathroom <laughs> that I have access to in the next half hour? This hotel I'm staying at costs a million fucking dollars. <laughs> uh, so like yes. every you're just like, like every day you're just like feeling yourself burning money. Mm-hmm. It's just like yep. money is just on fire just by existing, just by are. existing. And Which, of course, so, is actually happening all the time anyway. But it uh, is, at but a lower rate. At a lower rate, and well, you're used to it. But, it yeah. but this is in addition to that. Yeah. yeah right? sure. You're still paying your You're normal, still paying yeah. your your rent or your yeah. or your mortgage or whatever. Uh, and so, so – I would assume. I would assume. Yeah. So everything about <laughs> it, everything about travel to me, it was just like – it's like all the stuff – if you take all the worst parts about like being at home – Right, which is like having to clean stuff, or like, or not having clean stuff because it needs to be cleaned, or having to spend money on things or whatever. Like that, to me, that's what traveling is all about. It's like mm, all, it's taking, all that stuff. <laughs> taking the worst part. It's taking the worst part of being the opposite, home. right? Because you go to a hotel and like other people are taking care of stuff. You're eating oh yeah, out, yeah, which is great. Like in the hotel, it's great yeah. if you can afford to like splurge right. on a really expensive hotel, and then if you're can afford that enough that you're not constantly being like, oh god, we spent so much money on this hotel, mm-hmm. you know. So, so what so about the what so about the benefits? Yeah, like do you. Do you feel like you got something good out of it? The thing is, <laughs> the thing is like, cause it's like, I still have fun and I like, and like I learn stuff and I get to experience, you know, cultural exchange and, and most importantly, get to eat delicious food that I might not otherwise have access to. Um, but even still, like all that good stuff taken together at the end, I'm just like, well, I could just take this or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the cost? Cause, cause the cost, yeah, cause the cost yeah. is so I, I think if I, if I just, if I was made out of money so that like, I could take that piece away. Because I would also mean mm. that I could take, I could be in like first class on an airplane, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because if I could like, if I could, if I could fly first class and like stay at a hotel and not worry about the fact that it's costing a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. And like, if I took all those pieces away, I think I could probably be like, oh yeah, this was worth, this is worth my discomfort and time mm. spent and all that. Mm. But, but with those things coupled in there with the, with the shittiness of physical travel and the cost. Just, the travel is, when you're going that far, it is, because yeah. it also, it, it hits you. The, the tiredness and everything hits you for like five plus days yep, while you're there while you're there. And then also once you get back, so yep. it's like 10 days are just kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, I don't, for, so for my vacation, it was not, I don't know if I would call it a vacation. It was a travel. It was a trip. 
Yeah, well, it was it was we were we were there to to see family and friends, and mm-hmm. we went to a wedding, um, and it was a it was a whirlwind. Like it was it was kind of a instead of a, a vacation, we're like we vacated, you know, like we just got put to work, but in a different way, mm-hmm. in a different place. Yep. Um, which was we had we had a like we had a calendar, we had appointments booked, and we were like planning <laughs> right. out like all right, this two hour chunk, we're gonna see this person, then we hop in a in a cab and go for forty five minutes across town and see this person for two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and then back this other way, and then this person wants drinks at eleven p.m., so we got to go do that, and then um, and it was. Like, I felt like I needed a secretary or something mm-hmm. to like organize everything. And so it was definitely a lot more chaotic. And also as an introvert, that amount of socializing. Um, there were a couple of days where I was like, I'm just going to be in the hotel for the morning. I'm bailing. Because like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, this is where uh, my wife Sampada is from. And so everybody there is like, these are all people she grew up with. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I love meeting those people, but it's also the case that I don't have a shared history. And so they'll be reminiscing yeah. about all kinds of things. And those people aren't there for you. They're there yeah, for Yeah, it's clearly there for her. And I'm there in a supporting role, which I'm totally cool with. But it's also the case that that, that takes a, a bit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it felt good. It, it was, it's like Adam said, it's cool and interesting to go and see all these, all these things, but it's also really nice to come back. Yeah, um, I'm always, I'm a happy to go, happy to come back sort of person. That's my approach, which is yeah. very excited to go always if I get to go on a trip because I'm like, this will be a new thing. It'll be weird. <clears throat> Do some interesting stuff. Um, even just take a break from the normal routine. So I think breaking your routine has a lot of value uh, as long as you're not only having a broken routine, if that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah. uh, being able to occasionally flip off it, I think, is super valuable because you, you get to think about it. Um, but yeah, and even in the same capacity, after somewhere between five and seven days, generally, I'm like, all right. All right. Times that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, it's basically like after three days. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I'm done. Yep. Three days. Yeah. I just want. I just want to go back home. Like whatever. No matter the, the thing people kept saying is as we were as we were preparing to leave was they were like, oh, you just got here. You should stay for change your flight. You should stay for three or four more weeks. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's too much. Just stay for three or four more weeks. Yeah. yeah that's not. That's definitely not an American thing. No. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, and I think it would be pretty rare for somebody to do that from most places to Probably. just like all of a sudden just add an extra month onto your two yeah. week vacation. I mostly mean with the, the, the work culture of, yeah. of oh, yeah. the United States. Yeah. Well, one other interesting thing. So I, I did, I did get a little bit of work in on, on level head, but most of what I did there was like admin stuff, just trying to keep on top of like feedbacks and emails mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and I, I didn't have a, like much of a workspace at all, but I did like, I basically, treated a lot of my downtime as just like play around with code time. So I just kind of like made a bunch of dumb game prototypes and did some other stuff when I, whenever I had downtime, because I still love to program like we were talking about earlier, which is like, it's not work for me. It's, it was just an, an opportunity to kind of pursue some weird ideas that I had mm-hmm. and just kind of see if I can make them go. Um, and that's, that's part of a vacation. It's yeah. sort of an unfettered work. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be doing stuff and and experimenting and learning things, but I didn't have the mental bandwidth to handle all the other overhead that comes with working mm-hmm. on something as huge as, as Levelhead. Right. So our next question comes from Specchio. As you work on revamping the campaign, modifying old levels and creating new ones, how often are you inspired by user-created levels? Have you ever taken any level-building techniques from the user community and used it when building the campaign? Oh, yeah. All the time. So uh, the, big, the biggest one, actually, the most obvious one was the path decor idea. 
which I had never – I didn't put it together until I think it was someone – it was probably like the first month of early access. Someone built a steel bridge out of concrete and some of the paths because the paths you can put a design style on. And so they end up looking like, for example, a steel cable. And so they just – there was nothing on the path. But I had this sort of fixedness about what a path is for, which is a path is for moving things. And so you would yeah, never put it You didn't think of it as a decorative component. Exactly. And so that was actually probably the – Frankly, the biggest one where I, as far as what you'll obviously see throughout the whole thing. Um, but you know, I, I play through all the levels that come through uh, for the community spotlight and I'm always kind of just keeping an eye on what people are up to because even stuff like being able to, for example, use a path to pile up a bunch of spike chains and stuff mm-hmm. so that you end up having this – actually what is basically four or five of them on top of each other uh, creating like a big circular ball of death. Um, there's all sorts of fun stuff that that – I have that I've certainly never thought of while I was building stuff. And so well, you're, some of them you're amazing. using the tool for the things you designed it for. Correct. And so yeah, it, it is funny how hard it is to think outside of your yeah. design intent. Um, even if you make a thing that's capable of doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the idea of functional fixedness, right? Which yeah. is, which, what is this, what's this thing supposed to be for? And so every so often, uh, that's the, my favorite thing about it, where I, I think a lot of the, the surprise kind of incredible community designs to me come from, which is, People using the things in ways that I didn't think so, but that are, but that are add way more value to their overall use. Hmm. So not just using them as like a gimmick to like be annoying, right? But as finding a way to use something that is so clever that it's just kind of silly and fun. Um, the most recent one I saw was in the community spotlight last week was this hard light. I think a Spurator was one. I don't know. I can't remember who made it. Maybe Sleepy Doof. Someone, someone made it. Um, but it was a, a hard light sort of thing where – Essentially, as you run, then the, the lights actually – the floor basically lights up and turns on a, a new piece of it. And then the next piece turns on. And so you're like sort of going along this path or you're, you're traversing this level that's kind of building itself forward. But then a timer starts and it starts destroying itself behind you, right? Oh, and so you like – if you mess up a jump, damn. you don't, you can't like go backward and then re-jump. Like you just die. And so I was like, oh, that's <laughs> – it's just that's where they're like, oh, that's so fun, you know? Yeah. And I didn't necessarily come up with it. So there's a few more. There's one that I haven't seen yet that we did come up with in-house that I haven't gotten to build a level for yet, which I'm not going to say anything about. But um, there's a few of these sort of other fun little side pieces that come out of the designs of the levels that are not super apparent at the sort of first blush that I, I still want to kind of experiment with. So I'm hoping to get some more time to build a few more campaign levels before uh, before the launch actually kicks off. So fun. There will probably be. Actually, we need some time. One or two yeah. more. All right, next question comes from C. Price. Have you guys ever been in the position where you have so much work to do, you know you'll never get it all done? So then you feel like, why even bother trying and don't do anything instead? <laughs> How would you deal with that feeling? Mm, that's the stress nap. <laughs> so stress oddly, <laughs> I, think this, I think a lot of this speaks to the structure of work, of like mm-hmm. of the workplace, which is I have that feeling – I would almost say all the time, but a lot more often than I would prefer uh, at home. Yeah. Hmm. At work, I would never be like, oh, I have so much to do. I'm going to sleep, right? Because <laughs> I just do it. Like I just go down – I just prioritize right. it and go down the list. And the assumption is that there's always going to be more work to do than I can handle. Yep. Um, yeah. Th- yes, right. Because that's actually just – that's just how the work is. Yeah. There's just yeah. always – So to answer the first part of the question, more. it's actually we are all always aware of the fact that there's infinite work left. Right. Yeah, there's like so. 280 cards in the level head trail board right yeah, now. Yeah, work, work always gets created faster than it gets removed. Yeah, you know how many cards I can do at a time? One. <laughs> yep. yep. So that sucks. You know how many cards will be added in that time? At least one. Yep. yep. So, you know, that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. I think the, the question is why is it that during work that's just like, yeah, of course. 
and it's fine and we all just handle it mm-hmm. with no issue. Uh, but when it comes to dealing with your own shit without any kind of inherent structure built around it, that the idea of a stress nap <laughs> is just a thing that we all can relate mm-hmm. to. You know, it's where you're like, oh, God, I have so much to do. And then you just sleep instead. Yeah. Because it's just too much. But I think – well, the, the interesting thing there is that there is there is a real piece of work around managing your emotional state around the work. And the truth is like oftentimes I think the reason you need a stress nap is because – I mean you're stressed. It's not the work that's actually the problem in the sense. It's the fact that you've, you're having this intense stress response to – Yeah, it's your relationship work. to the work. Yeah. And so you you ha- you do actually in that in some cases, you literally do need to go take a nap because it's like you need to reset well, no, I, a bit I don't, before I don't you think that's true. I, I think – I think that feeling comes from not having properly um, articulated what's happening. Mm. So, so oftentimes, like if somebody's feeling overwhelmed, then usually what's happening is they are trying to sort of like mentally juggle a huge number of things mm-hmm. uh, that they all that, that all seem extremely important and extremely high priority. And so, I think your default behavior in that scenario is to try to escape. Yeah. Yeah. By just entering dreamland. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, because you think like there's no possible way I can deal with all these mm-hmm. things. Uh, I don't know what to do. Or and then something you, else. Yeah. And so or you or you this is where like you go play video games, you browse Reddit or something. Um, it's not just about napping, it's yeah. all these things. And uh all that all that really has to happen is you just have to get them out of your head. Trap it on paper. Put it into a That's system, put it into a Trello board, put it on paper, make a to-do list, uh, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you just order it. Just prioritize it based on like what needs to happen now, what doesn't need to happen now. Yeah. Well, and accept the fact that you can only do things as fast as you can do them. Or there's this weird idea. Some that of them have, aren't going to get done. You know. Yeah. Well, and it's that's because and if that happens, it's because they can't. Yep. That's yeah. that. Right. This, this whole idea. It's, it's, it's the thing that's always made me just. So I don't, I don't believe in deadlines. It's not a thing I believe in. I think they're. I think they are. Bullshit, not just because they get missed, but because conceptually they make no sense. Because things can get done exactly as fast as they can get done. And Much no like faster. a wizard, they will arrive exactly when they mean <laughs> exactly, to. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be it'll be done when it's done. And the whole idea that that you can like look at your set of work and then be like, okay, this has to be done, you know, in a week or whatever, right? Like next Tuesday, and then you start working on it, and like if you can't get it done in that amount of time. Deadlines you just, you are just only can't. deadlines are only useful for deciding what not to do. Yes, yes, exactly. And so, so if you find yourself basically having so much stuff that you can't do it under whatever constraints you have, right? Then that that basically just means like that literally means you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like full stop. That's the end. So now you have to decide. Okay, what do I do about the fact that I cannot pull this off? Yeah. Right. What has to come next? And that mostly means reprioritize and cut. Yep. And so this is what we do constantly. Is is recognizing, first of all, that we all have infinite work all the time anyway. So our, our, our to-do lists are all just bottomless. They just go forever. But the most important stuff is at the top. And what is most important changes basically kind of day by day, certainly week by week. Um, and we just make sure that we're only working on the most important stuff. And that stuff will then just get done whenever it gets done. And as long as you're only ever working on the most important stuff and doing it as aggressively as possible. But also as well as you can. As well as you can. Um, then you will accomplish exactly what you can accomplish. And that's what will happen. And, and then that, what you're done with is what you're done with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You'll just have what you have, you know? Like, and, and it's, it's a like, very uh, zen way of approaching it. It is. But it's, it's like, it's I will really, do my work. Yeah, it's accepting the reality of the situation, which is that you and can't I think possibly do more. You can't sometimes. do more than you can do. Yeah. Which is like, it's, it's a stupid truism, <laughs> yeah. right? But I think the thing that aggravates me about about how work is is like managed in, in so many contexts is the there's, 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 there's this weird assumption that like, 
that if you have, if there's a time on a thing, then somehow, somehow everything will just have to come together to make that happen. But also, but think about how, how this is often portrayed in movies and stuff like that. The boss will come blasting into the room and be like, Hey, we need this thing operating at 340% capacity Mm -hmm. within the next six hours. And the engineer will be like, sir, that's impossible. And the boss will be like, I don't care. Just get it done. Yeah. And then the engineer is always like, oh, my God. And then they go do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. It would, I don't the, think you heard me. The I the, it's impossible. literally a <laughs> interesting purpose about stuff like deadlines or even sometimes these ridiculous demands is that they, they do they do end up sort of breaking some of that. They, they end up breaking up what you thought you needed to do about the work, right? They so, force a certain approach. Yeah, well, they, well, they force one of two things. They it, force you to either reprioritize and cut mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. Or they force you to take shortcuts that are going to bite you in the ass in a month. Right. Yeah. So the question is, which one does your organization end up supporting? Yeah. Right? Because if if the only one your your organization ends up supporting is the second one, where it's Mm -hmm. all about shortcuts, then you got big problems down the line. Like there is – you're always just actually going to be more underwater as you complete more projects. Yeah, because you're just just punting new work forward. But if your organization actually promotes the first one, then that's basically what you normally do. Yeah. So if you actually – so we we, we were actually having this conversation earlier today. But if if you take this back to when we – had to do our early access launch because yeah. for us, we were planning on launching early access in the summer and then the Mario Maker announcement came and we we're like, oh shit, we have to do this actually in six weeks. Mm-hmm. So, so we, need to be, it was, we need to be an alpha in three weeks. How do we do so, that? So, yeah, yeah. so we could have said, okay, that just means we have to do all the stuff that we were going to somehow now magically in six weeks mm-hmm. and then like been stressed and underwater. Even and, though like, we had like eight months of work <laughs> yeah. already on the table. And instead we were like, obviously that is just literally impossible. Mm-hmm. So, so – if, if given the fact that we need to be out in six weeks, what can we pull off yeah. in that period of time? And what do we have to cut, you know, to, to get ourselves? Yeah. So, yeah. Importantly, the deadline, it didn't put us into a scenario where all of a sudden we made the game magically better. Or we, faster. Like, it didn't, it didn't make us think outside the box. It didn't make us invent some amazing new technology or whatever. We just worked extra and cut a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we didn't uh, even work that extra, actually. It was like an extra 10 hours a week. Like yeah. We were on like a 50-hour a week yeah. thing for that, uh, mm-hmm. what, six weeks. Yeah, still a, like a very, very respectable crunch. Yeah, yeah right. it was a respectable light crunch. A light like, crunch. A, like, a, like a singular Kit Kat. <laughs> just a, with a chocolatey coating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So how do you think this relates back to something like, so we were doing a one-week patch cycle and then a two-week patch cycle during early access. Um, that is a deadline. In yes, a sense, right? it is. But the way that we – But the deadline is whatever is done. Yeah, the way that we approached right. it was yeah, whatever whatever we've done, we put it out and test it and mm-hmm. then release it. Um, and we just keep adding stuff at the pace that we are adding stuff. Yep. Uh, and there, there would be times where we would sometimes say like, okay, we've got an extra – like we've got two more days till the patch comes out. Is there anything that we want to – that we think like we can easily get in and get tested in this last couple of days that we maybe weren't planning on or whatever. Um, Which again, it just, it just kind of points to how like deadlines make you prioritize things in a certain way. But uh, yeah, during that time, I think the only, the only reason, the only time that, that the two week cycle kind of like came back and bit us was when it came to these big things. Yeah. These, Mm -hmm. these huge things that we like, we needed to, for example, Sam's been working on these big campaign updates for, uh, these presentations and everything. Four weeks already? They're like four weeks, yeah. right? And they're they're not done yet. And no. we don't know if they're going to be done this next patch or the next or, or whatever. Um, but imagine like if we just for two whole patches had no art 
because mm-hmm. Sam was working on these other things the whole time, right? Yep. Uh, which which would have been the case on this two week uh, deadline. So so yeah, deadlines just make you reshuffle things, but you need to have a healthy. But it's also why it's why you need to understand how they how they operate and how they're influencing your work. Because the reason yeah. why we said okay, we're done with the two week ones because we need the month ones now. because yeah, we, we found we were prioritizing small stuff exactly. too high. Because yeah. you need to be able to, you need to have the time and space uh, in your in your work schedule to prioritize the bigger things that are huge value ads that you cannot you just cannot do them in a two week yeah. period, for example. Yeah, but also there's there's a difference too between like kind of the early phase of a project and the end phase of a project, right? Because yes. at the beginning you're focusing on all the cool stuff that you want in there, right? And and it's less about what has to be in there, but it's all about what do I want to do right now? What sounds like, what sounds like it's going to be the most awesome, right? And and we we were doing that for the, easily the first half of, of what we've done for early access mm-hmm. so far. And then we realized at some point that, you know, we, we could see kind of a launch off in the future and we were like, okay, well, what do we actually need to have happen to get there? And our, our list for that was a year's worth of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Of all the stuff that this absolutely has to go into our launch. So we had to figure out, okay, well, let's start cutting this back. But then it felt bad to drop stuff. And, and then we realized actually what we need to do is just prioritize this yep. and just, just like we do with the rest of our stuff. Because we can say, only work on one thing. And it will all get done time. as fast as it can get done. Yeah. That's it. And if, and if, if there is at some point we want to be able to say, hey, we actually want to launch at this date, then we need to make sure that we're doing what we can so that once we make that decision, there's nothing else that has to happen because we've done the stuff that is the most important for launch. We've done the stuff that would keep us from launching. Yeah. Yeah. By that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ha- still work on that. Right now. <laughs> we haven't hit that yet, although we're really close to that. We're close. Yeah, we're, we're pretty really close. close to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so does that answer it? Yeah. What was the question? Oh, it was, uh, yeah, taking naps instead of getting your shit done. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's all just about- recognize there's always infinite shit to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can only do f- stuff as fast as you can. So just do the most important stuff first and then don't worry about mm-hmm. it. Yep. And uh, if you take a nap, then now you've just got an extra thing to worry about, which is you don't have to leave in less time. But remaining. also yeah. took a nap. So you took a nap, bad. which means yeah. now you're going to sleep worse tonight. <laughs> tomorrow's ruined. Everything's ruined. All right. Last question comes from Jim Zombie Brain Sock. If you had to start butterscotch shenanigans all over again. What would you do differently? Mm. Probably everything, but I hope everything. Yeah, everything. Because otherwise, that would mean we haven't learned. Anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we, we would basically try to recreate the studio we have now, but just you know, six, seven years ago. Um, but the thing is, though, is that you just can't. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing that you get to do because you have to learn from your own mistakes. And then, as we to refer back to what we were talking about earlier, everything that we've built, all of our knowledge, all of our tools, all of our skills, is all built. You know, one. Small, tiny, thing tiny at brick time. at a time, and and the only way to Gull's get that law. we're coming bring yep. you just, yeah, exactly. You just have to do it. There's there's no way around the fact that like if we want the tooling that we have now, that tooling was all built over years. Yeah, if we want the skill that Seth or Sam have in their in their respective crafts now, they built that over yep. years. Sure, going back in time now, they could probably find ways to do that faster and get to where they are now. Only you know maybe a couple years ago instead or whatever, um, but. But Even mostly then, you just have to do it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I guess, I guess, but if this is coming from a place of like, what advice would we give, you know, to like, to try to shortcut something? Is there something, is so, there something there? Yeah. I, I think at the very beginning, we, we focused entirely on the games. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, get Towel Fight 2 made in three months, release it. Get Quadrupus Rampage done in three months, release it. And our thinking at the time was, if you build a really good game, then that's just what you have to do. And then everything else just kind of happens. Right? Yep. And uh, we didn't know, for example, that like by releasing Quadruples Rampage on Android two weeks before our iOS release, that we actually 
screwed over our chances of getting mm-hmm. any featuring on iOS yeah. for that game, which might as might actually have completely changed the trajectory of yeah. the studio. Yeah, probably would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things that, in retrospect, we clearly just didn't know, yeah. which is like the importance of marketing, the importance of featuring, uh, the importance of of trying to develop tooling to make it easy to manage the fact that you might have three, four games launched at a time. Um, but a lot of those things are, are hard to solve, you know, like marketing a game to get featuring means you need to build up a network of people in the industry who yeah, can you help you just have a network Yeah, who can help you get those features and you can't build that network until you've made some games. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's kind of a, it's kind of a chicken egg problem where you have to kind of like grind it out at the beginning, kind of at the bottom. Yeah. Like for- the fact is it's actually just all a grind, right? Because even even going back and saying like, I wish we had had a better idea of what it means to like operate in a pro- like a professional production capacity, right? And like and build tooling to support that and all of that. But had we tried to just do that out of the gate, we just probably would have fucked it up real good, you know? Not only so, that, but if we put that much time at the beginning into that we stuff, we wouldn't have had any it. games. Out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and, and our games are basically unmaintainable as a consequence, but they got out. But we got them mm-hmm. out and they got us here. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Cause without that, had we, had we had maintainable games, we might not have a studio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's true. Well, it's, yeah. And the, well, we were talking about this earlier, Sam, about the, mm-hmm. uh, I think in the DevOps and the Phoenix yep. project. They were, uh, they were talking about this, like this guy on the team who was obsessing, obsessing about security. Mm-hmm. And they had been working on this one giant project for like three years and still hadn't even come close to being able to even deploy it, let alone get it into any kind of a finished state. Mm-hmm. And so much of what was hanging them up was this this guy who was really, really fired up about every conceivable line of code needing to be vetted by a security team. Yep. And the end result being – that they had absolutely nothing useful come out of their software development for years and years and years. So like, yes, it was quote secure, but also absolutely useless. (laughs) Secure, but undelivered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh, I, I think, I think our approach at the beginning was the right one for the, for the time, Mm -hmm. which is just grind it out, grind it out, keep it fast and loose, make as many games as you can and just try to get stuff, try to, try to make an impact, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and yeah, there's going to be consequences to that, but the consequences to that are more favorable than ceasing to exist, yep. which yep. is what would happen if you tried to. Well, I mean, it is one of those things, right? Because because we're we're living currently in a survivorship bias mm-hmm. state, right? Which is the reason that we exist is because we survived, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and again, yeah, it's like a circular reasoning thing, but it is true. Had, had things gone differently, even technically better in some way at various points in time. The consequence still might have, might have actually been worse, you know. Like, yeah. had we had we done a better job of production, we would have slowed things down. Had we slowed things down, we were, we would have run out of money faster, right? And yeah, so it's just I don't know. I, I think it's actually seems it like we are moving slower now than we used to. Definitely, uh, in terms of like how much code we are putting out on a daily basis, mm-hmm. how much art we're putting out. Um, however, actually, it's probably not true because we also our, our production capacity has also gone up so high. Yeah, well, but the, I think but the, there is now a lot of overhead. But I think the difference is now like we are we are producing the the product a little bit slower, but also we can do a lot more. So in the sense yeah. that like we can now put it out in eleven languages and in mm-hmm. in various countries, we can get it reviewed for certification. We can deploy on more consoles, etc. It's so like we can do a lot more with what we have. We which can maintain means, it. 
we can actually patch it and stuff. Yeah, I think the the daily the daily productivity is the wrong metric to look exactly. at. Because at yeah. the beginning, that's the only metric you care about because you've only been around for two days. Because so you whatever. have to produce yeah. so that you have something. Yeah, just anything. But, but later on, it actually becomes a very different thing. It's which very long term, long term focused, yeah. focused production capability. Yeah. Because what what we're happening, what's happening right now is every change we make now does not mean that we get more screwed later, which is actually previously yeah. what it would happen. You know what this yeah. reminds me of when mm-hmm. you're. When you're young and you're building up your retirement portfolio, you put almost all of it into volatile things like stocks, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, and you're like, "Look, I don't really need to worry about it. Yes, this is risky, but whatever. I gotta, I gotta grow my cash." Right, yep. and then later on, you kind of move into things that are more focused on stability, mm-hmm. right? Moving into bonds, and it is. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We've we've moved into a more stable production. Yeah, at yeah. the start you're just like it's you're just shooting from the hip and just whipping things around yep. and slinging code and hot fixing everything because everything's on fire all the time. Yeah. And then later you figure out how to manage it better, but you still need to get stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of survivorship bias, this reminds me of I saw this great image floating around the internet, which was somebody had had taken like uh, a world map and put these three pinpoints on the map of of locations where pyramids were built. Mm-hmm. And had pictures of the pyramids and they all looked the same. And they were like, "What does this mean?" And then somebody was like, it means that when you pile up rocks that way, they tend to stick around for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Which is, there's ruins of all kinds of other things too that have mostly fallen apart by now. Yep. Right? The ones that survived were the ones shaped like that. Shaped like a pile. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, actually, yeah, I, think <laughs> I saw that. The, the, the way they phrased it was, it's one of the best ways to pile up rocks. Yeah, right. to make them stick around for a, for yeah. a while. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, all this is just survivorship bias anyway. Yeah. So uh, yep. if we were to do things now, if we did them the same way we did then, it might not work. I don't know. Does. I don't know. I think it definitely wouldn't work. If like if we if we basically started off, if we took our past selves, teleport ourselves into today, and then try to survive in the current market using the practices we had at the time, I think we'd probably be fucked. But I, <laughs> but I honestly think it's also true the other way. If we were to take our current selves and teleport ourselves back in the past and like try that over again mm. with the money and like this like with everything mm. else being what we have in the past, yeah, uh, I think probably our current practices would actually. Come back, back and bite us. Well, right? it's assuming it, that we were just dumb enough to just keep doing whatever we're doing now. Well, the thing is, is that but you tend you to, to adapt. Right? You tend yeah. to, we'd have to. We'd have to adapt, but yeah, because you you tend to like, you do the thing that's that's appropriate for the context that you're in, right? It's like mm-hmm. the best you can do given the context that you're in. And if we were to move back, yeah, we'd be smarter and all this kind of stuff. But like we, all of our connections would be gone because we wouldn't yeah. have made them anymore, right? Um, yeah. So like, so, so like, we can't leverage that. Yeah. What can we really leverage except for? We can just make things faster, which means we probably have to do it the same way. Shoot from the hip. Yep. <laughs> just get, <laughs> just stuff do it again. get stuff done. And like, yeah, we can do it faster at that point, except we'd be using old Game Maker. Yeah, you know no thanks. I mean? yeah. No thank you. Uh, <laughs> and we can, and, and, and we, all the all the tools that I love now, which is like Node and View, wouldn't even really exist mm-hmm. effectively. We'd at that still point. be building Beastcatch ID at a PHP and shit like that. Yeah, probably. and I'd probably do a better job of it. I'd almost definitely do a better job of it, but then it would still, still be a thing I have to replace later. Yeah. <laughs> so. There's no, there's only one path yeah. and we walked it. The only path is forward. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, that's a good note to end yeah. on, I think. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Costa for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.